Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I've got a guest with me and we're going to talk about all things security. Um, I've got Jenny Radcliffe on the line. Jenny, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, Holly. Nice to be on. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jenny Radcliffe. I'm the founder and director of social engineering for a company called Human Factor Security. And our real specialism is social engineering and particularly just the psychological elements of that, um, particularly sort of physical infiltration and getting past the people. That, that sounds awesome. And, and, and in particular, the psychological aspect to it, because I think for a lot of people, you know, social engineering is a bit of a, a dark art, right? People don't really know how it works and they know it's possible, but not really how. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's one of the things that sort of I always feel distinctions us a little bit as a company, I suppose. But I, I only ever worked with people and with the, the psychology of manipulation and influence, um, Obviously, on the on the side of the angels, and not you know, <laughs> in a bad way. But I did that because I was so hopeless technically, and I had no one to teach me. I didn't find a way to do it myself, like so many people in the business did. Mm-hmm. But I always worked with psychology. I always worked with motivation, and and, and you know, it, that was how we used to get into places. And then it became something that I think as the tech gets so much better. It's the psychological uh, sort of keys that that, that really matter uh, more and more, and that's really where we found you know a lot of growth uh, for the business. Um, and it, it, it's it, you know it's the easiest way to get in sometimes. Okay. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense, and I think one of the things that I hear working more on the technical side because you know, physical access is a thing that we do, but it's certainly not um, all of it. You know, pen testing technical stuff is is our bag. Um, I, I hear a lot of people think, oh, if you can, if you can hack, if you can, you know, if you can use Metasploit, then you can do social engineering, right? And and I don't necessarily agree with that. And it sounds like you don't either. No, I, well, I think you know, it's great that if, if the technical side of it's there, and and you know, there's, I have so much admiration for that side of things. And I think more and more, even we work more uh, hands in hand with the more technical uh, sort of entry methods, but. For me, social engineering really has got to be the purest form. So, you know, how could you do it? How could you get into somewhere if the only thing in your way was a human? Mm-hmm. Um, how How is that possible? What can you do to read that human, to understand, you know, specifically, it's a prescription psychological script. It's not a standard thing. Um, and, and, and it's really how to do that. If you can do that, there's always a human guarding something or behind yeah. an entrance. And I think it's, it's understanding not just how humans are, but how that human works. It's a targeted approach. And that, to me, is really, that's our definition of social engineering. It's sort of purely about, can we make this person um, do something? And whether that's phishing emails or calls mm-hmm. or in person, and that's the attack that doesn't fail, really. And, and that's what we really look for. It's, it's so interesting to hear you say that as well, because one of the things that, people always ask me about when we when we get onto the, the topic of physical access testing is things like, um, oh, can you can you pick locks? And and I always find like, well, yeah, that's a thing that a lot of people can do in InfoSec. You know, LockSpot is popular, but I've never had to pick a lock on a job because there's always a person. 
Oh my God. I mean, the, the lock thing. I, you know, I love lock picking. I wish I was better at it. Mm-hmm. I learned it years ago for some basic ones. But like, I would not. It was my last resort would be to pick a lock. <laughs> um, you know, because because it's, it's, it can be very time. It can be quick. It can be mm-hmm. time consuming. It looks suspicious. Um, you know, there's no... You, if you're found on a physical with a set of lock picks trying to fiddling with a, with a you know, padlock or something, there is no explanation to that. Um, so it's often quicker to just find a kind of like a quicker way. And I'd say more intelligent way, but that's not to decry the lock sports side of it. It's great and I love it as well. But, you know, I, I just, just something that's quicker. So I think when you work with humans and when you work without the technology mm-hmm. in the way that we do, what you have to do is you have to think of really sort of out-of-the-box thinking, really kind of coming into things from like an angle people wouldn't expect. That's what gets you into places. That's what gets you past people. And it's that kind of coming away from what people expect you to do and doing it a different way that really makes a successful social engineer and makes a successful physical penetration test. Um, And that's often nothing to do with, you know, putting the lock or anything else. It's Mm -hmm. to do with, can we get right? I mean, I always say, you know, can we get around it? It's kind of like, there's a really big lock. Um, it's a complicated lock, so we don't need, you know, we, we yeah. quickly unscrew the hinges instead. <laughs> you know, is it, why would you make your life more difficult? You tend not to have to do it, but you have to think like an attacker. You have to always think. I, and I suppose with us, it was always, we didn't have resources, we had no money for anything. So it has to be something that was free or cheap. Um, and that meant kind of thinking creatively. And I think creativity is the key to social engineering. Um, and I say creativity is a bit a broad term, but it's, it's really thinking differently to the people who build the defences. You have to think differently to that. And, and sometimes the most obvious solution uh, or the most obvious access point isn't really the one that you should try, you know? Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, so... Where where should people start thinking about um, social engineering? If if a, a company is worried that you know their staff are, are going to be a weak link, um, is it is it just physical access or is there more to it? No, I, I mean I always if you're talking about protecting staff from social engineering, you need to get back to really fundamental principles. And the first thing is is is, is telling them that they are someone that will be a target. Right, and really making it obvious because I think this is all very—it's sort of a bit ethereal. It's like, well, obviously they're going to do the highly targeted people, you know. So people might say, "Well, we know our CFO is going to be a target. We know the CEO." But but what you just staff just doing a normal job don't really hear that much about security. They have to understand that they're very useful to a social engineer. And so, like when I talk to them, I say, "Look, we're building a picture." Everyone who works for a company has operational detail. Everyone who works for a company um, is a little in-house hacker in a way because if they want to get around something, they will. And so what we try and do is say to people, you are worth me uh, socially engineering. And it might not be for credentials. It might not be for anything that you can see is valuable to a criminal. But trust me that we, we like to know as much as we can about a target and you might be one of the ways... So to me, even more than understanding things like raising emotions, calls to action, you know, personal information, all the kind of persuasion and influence stuff, even before we get into that, people just need to know that they are important enough to be targeted. 
just because of the fact that they work somewhere or that they know other people. Now, once people can grasp that, then the social engineering piece, it, it, you know, it sells itself. Because once someone understands, oh, okay, someone might be asking me for what I know about the company, someone can use my personal information. Um, once people understand that, then it's quite easy for them to see how, how they can be socially engineered. And I think easier for them to see that than more technical type of hack. I mean, if you've got someone who's not in the security business, who's not um, in the industry, it's easy for them to picture the con artists, mm-hmm. sort of twisting what they say and kind of pulling information out of them. Because that's just something that's, you know, ancient. It's like it, it, social engineering is one, it's the oldest trick in the book. Mm-hmm. People can picture that really easily. They can see that that might be the case. Once they accept that they might be a target, then I think all the learning and the culture pieces and everything else just follows from that. But you have to, people have to understand that they are the target, first and foremost. Um, before we can work on anything else in terms of what we do physically, in terms of their, you know, cyber hygiene, you, you, first of all, they have to understand that they are potentially a target. So that's even before anything like security awareness training or anything. It's just it's making sure they understand why it's important. I just think I think it's part of security awareness training, and I, but I think it's that's the first you know that's the first piece. The first piece is it's not just key you know it's not just key individuals in a business. Mm-hmm. It's everyone in the business. It's not just um, people who've got the keys to specific information. Because you know, Holly, like you say, on a physical, we will have done a ton of research before we turn up at mm-hmm. that building. And sometimes it's the tiny details that gives you access. You know, whether it's something in the background of a photograph, mm-hmm. whether it's something someone says to you about, you know, where they, you know, where, how they celebrate the little rituals that different departments have. You know, I mean. I remember we had one, um, we do some research on a target and someone, it uh, wasn't me, it was one of the team, managed to find out that the lady said to her, oh, you know, on a Friday, we all do a bacon bussy meeting. Mm-hmm. So basically, lovely thing to do, team building. <laughs> Friday morning, same time, they all go to a little van, they all get a bacon sandwich. Everyone leaves their office and they sit in the canteen and have like a, a sweep up meeting for about an hour. Yeah, But that office is abandoned. At that point. Now, that's a key thing. Nobody would think that the Bacon Sandwich Friday team meeting mm-hmm. has got anything to do with security. But, of course, you know that it, it absolutely does because now I know a little bit more about the rhythm of yeah, that organisation. It's predictable Repeating. Yeah. yeah. And once I know the rhythm of something, it's the pattern of life that really is exploitable on a target and that's really what we look for. So if they understand that even the slightest detail mm-hmm. can be important, then they start to be naturally more cautious, I think. I don't know what it's like for you, Jenny, but um, a lot of times when I talk to, to customers who are looking at their, their kind of first social engineering, certainly first physical access, they don't necessarily uh, understand the importance or necessarily expect the, the research time before the physical access. I've definitely had customers who expect us to just um, turn up and work it out as we go along. Um, so what, what's your kind of expectation between the split between um, pre-engagement research and then the actual physical access stuff? So I, I, mean, I just think you have to over-prepare. So for us, it would be 70-30 mm-hmm. preparation and research. Um, and and I, think, I think there's a big there's a problem here and it's to do with the way the industry goes, you know. So there are people, I've been asked, can I just, you know, it's like, oh, we've got a job. We just want you to do a physical for us. You know, only the physical elements of it, mm-hmm. Jen. Just, just as like a little sort of freelance job. 
Um, and I go, okay, what's the target? Well, the target's this. What we want you to do is go in, you know, make a cup of coffee, print a document, <laughs> um, see if you can get into this place, this place. And, it's, and you know, and, and the, the fee for that, or the ex- that they expect to pay is very low. Mm-hmm. So when I say, well, actually, you know, I've got a couple of days researching, oh, no, you don't need the research bit. We just need you to walk in. And, and you see, and the problem with that is, although there is, I, I guess, a place for kind of opportunistic, off-the-cuff uh, physical penetrations and social engineering, it's it's not the way that we would like to do it because we like to be very thorough. Yeah. We like to show all the possibilities. And also, we like to succeed. Um, <laughs> and you won't do that with, with, if you're not prepared. Now, having said that, there's times that you do. And one of the things that we do sometimes on physicals is we'll have a team which includes someone who's just almost dragged off the street, right? So someone with almost no training, nothing else. And we'll say, can you get in to that building? Mm -hmm. And the reason that we do that is if you're replicating an attack team, you're going to have some people who are experts who are going to put the work in and do what we do. But you're also going to have different levels. And we try and replicate the opportunistic threat as well. And what will happen very often is they will get so far and then they'll get caught and, and you know, and, yeah. and the jig is up. But then the B team, which is more professional, mm-hmm. is in and inside the building and it's doing other things. And we do that to replicate, like, the spectrum of attacks. Um, and I think that's an important feature of it. Um, so, 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 you know, it sort of depends what you're trying to replicate. But me personally, our business and career has been built on that very sort of research. To the point where, and I nearly, I've said this to you before, I think mm-hmm. only all myself, where you sometimes w- bump into someone yeah. on a on a physical penetration test and say hello. And yeah. they've never met you before, but you, yeah, yeah. you almost say, like, you sort of raise, oh, hi, you know, so that's Janice or whatever. And they don't know you, but you feel like you know them because the research level has been so thorough, yeah. you know? Um, so <laughs> that's happened often. That's funny. I, I have a question, actually. Um, something that I, I got asked, and we ended up doing a, a separate podcast on a little while ago, um, we, we kept getting asked, um, do you ever find other hackers when you're doing pen testing? So when you break into a website, do you ever find that, you know, someone else is there? Have you ever experienced that with social engineering? Have you ever been, say, not necessarily doing a job yourself, but, you know, visiting an office or visiting a customer or something and, and felt like you've stumbled across someone who's maybe doing a physical access? Oh, my God. Actually, yes. I thought it was a name. So I was doing a job in Europe and it was... Uh, a very early morning job in me, very early, easy. And actually, this is the, one of the things I say when we're sort of training people and giving talks is the minute that you think this is going really well, um, is the minute that you should, you should check yourself and say, what what do I look for? Yeah. But I'd done a job, it was quite high up. Um, I was on about the fourth floor of the building. And it was all, it was fine. It was fine. Um, this is fine, this is fine. So I got lock kicking. So I got into the office, got in, everything was good. The door of the office closed and it, I couldn't open it from the inside. And I, it's, it's not even like lockpicks or anything would have worked. It just was, it was a sort of a deadlock. I could have struggled with it for a while. I could have kind of thought about it. But there was quite a big windowsill outside the windows. And I knew that, I basically thought, you know what, if I get out of this window, I can just walk around. It's high up, but it was, it was broad. I'll walk around, get in the next office window, and I'll just walk out, right? First thing in the morning, no one's there. Walked in, and I walked out, and the first window was locked, and there were people in that office, and they were in the safe, and they were in the drawers. And 
it just looked like a robbery. <laughs> and and you sort of go, this this as far as I'm aware, although of course client may not have told me, there is no other company doing a pen test. I think this is theft. <laughs> but I'm like, both of them. Okay, so we'll come on, get into the next one, walked out to the coffee area, and when I walked out to the coffee area, I'm downstairs, and I'm on my way out. My mission's accomplished, I'm thinking, do I call, you know, do I ring, or what do I do? <laughs> but at that point, there was the client, there was there was other people coming in, so I assumed that they would find them. Um, but I always think that that was a proper burglary uh, underway, and that I came across it. I came across... Uh, internal security red teams do mm-hmm. internal work and I can I clock them and I realise what they're doing. Um and then it's a big problem with the client and the debrief because it's why was why did you do that? Was it coincidence? I don't really believe in coincidence. It's mm-hmm. coincidence. Well, it, it, it fuzzes the test. Yeah. But yes it happens and, and I, I've certainly seen <laughs> on investigations, yeah. you know, I've seen signatures of, of other physical penetration teams and little things that, that I've seen happen. So it does happen. That, that's funny actually. It's something I, I didn't mention in our podcast when we were talking about coming across other pen tests. Mm. Uh, one thing that I have come across um, when doing technical testing is um, other pen test reports. Yes. So that, that that's a funny one, but um, yeah, just when you were saying there, uh, you you know you weren't aware if there was another company doing the work. I just immediately reminded me of that. Yeah, you can see. I mean, we leave you know the certain calling cards that we leave for mm-hmm. the rest of the team to see. Yeah. Um, and then I, there's just times I see things. I just think, I think that I think I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Like in certain entry points and stuff, there's little, little signs and bits and pieces. It's like a, I think it's like something like a vagabond language, right? The signs yeah. and things that you really signal to the team that, <laughs> that unless you knew what they were, you wouldn't know that it was a signal, but it is. Yeah. Um, and then I see similar ones elsewhere, and I think, oh, yeah, you know, Fred's team, let's go on Fred's team, you know, you know, maybe six months ago, and it's still away. Yeah, yeah. But particularly with the highest security targets, because there's only, you know, a few teams really mm-hmm. that, that work those. Yeah, yeah. So, for people who are um, aware of what social engineering social engineering is, and that they know about the physical access stuff that we're talking about, they understand the concept of people want to test security to see if you can break in. Um, what is the the aims of physical access testing for for you, and what what do your customers ask for? Um, is it literally just can you get past reception, or is it something bigger? So, what we try and do is we try and not have the client give us. Uh, specific targets whatever possible and the reason for that is it kind of depends what they're testing so I think physical uh, pen tests go into sort of two areas one is an operational test so, you know are people doing what we've told them to do are they using their passes are they letting people through the gate and that type of thing which, which is kind of like a lower level mm-hmm. and then there's the test of the security right so a simulated attack what we'll say is it's it, we will absolutely do the opportunistic thing and see if someone can get through the gates or whatever. But to me, to be honest, the answer to that nine times out of ten is, you know, a, a sort of a, a cautious yes, right? So people will, at some point, someone will drop the guard and, and let mm-hmm. someone tailgate. But we try not to get a too high uh, a target or too specific mm-hmm. a target from a client because if we're replicating an attack, we would have, if you like, zero knowledge from within the company, right? So unless we've got an insider on uh, working for us, let's imagine to turn mm-hmm. someone, 
then we wouldn't have that. So, you know, if you're a real, if you're a quote unquote a real burglar, if you're a real uh, physical infiltration uh, criminal, you wouldn't necessarily say, well, I'm going to go straight to the town jail, I'm going to go straight to this office. Yeah. And believe me, from the years I've done it, a lot of the time what you're actually doing is walking round and round in circles trying to work out what's important. And that's yeah. even if you've done a month's worth of research, you know. You might have an idea of which office, whose name, maybe, um, depending on whether it's CNI or something like that, where the actual, you know, the, 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 the um, particularly high school areas are. But you should, it should, you should really go in as blind as you can, mm-hmm. because otherwise you're not replicating what their attackers are going to do. And I think, you know, that's why we try not to take, or we try and talk the clients away from saying things too specific, like, you know, we want you to get into XYZ's office, we want you to take mm-hmm. her computer, um, we want you to, you know, plan something, and you know, because a lot of the time, it's like we just leave something to prove that we were there. So we yeah. try and show what it'd be like if you had no knowledge and you just decided this is the company that we're going to go for. Mm-hmm. Um, Specification, I guess, scope sometimes has specification is is important in terms of what you're allowed to do um, and what you should be doing um, and what you're not allowed to do. But mm-hmm. other than that, we try and keep it as vague as we can to replicate the properest task. Good. Yeah, that's cool. But we do have, I have had bizarre requests though. Oh, yeah? I've had yeah, I've had things like if you can get into room X and write on the um, on the notice board, mm-hmm. or can you pin notices on all the notice boards on the fourth floor? You know, whatever they wanted me to put on it. I mean, I do know what it was, I'm not going to say, but <laughs> can you put these notices on every board? Yeah. Or, you know, can you get into this office and sit there for 10 minutes? Can you film yourself? I'm getting a lot of these clients want me to yeah. sit in the CEO's office and film myself in that office. That that's really um, interesting, then, actually, because um, yeah. we we've had it um, a few times where that there's possibly a benefit to re- recording certain aspects of the test, and um, just been really worried either the act of recording is going to be the thing that gets you caught out, um, or just like you know will it will it disrupt the test in some way? So it's interesting to hear customers asking for that. I see. As the problem is, is I think it comes from the sort of showbiz mm, Bond fantasy that some <laughs> clients have about what it is that we do. Yeah. Um, and I've had, you know, they want that so they can say, oh, look, basically there's Jenny in, in you know, this, this woman's chair or this mm-hmm. guy's chair. Um, because it works both ways. If I get past her, well, Jenny got past. Jenny always gets past. Oh, and if I didn't get past, well, you know, she didn't get past. Uh, so we've, we've done great, you know. So I think there's a little bit of an element of, like, this is such a great clip to finish our conference with or, or to finish yeah. our security training with, you know, or, or like if there's any objection from the C-suite, well, there's, there's the pen test, there's generally one of the team mm-hmm. in your chair, so now you can't argue. And it's quite <laughs> sensationalistic. And, you know, sometimes from, to a certain degree, if the client wants something, we'll give them it. And then another yeah. time, just, we do sort of go quite specifically, why exactly do you want this? You know, what are you trying to achieve and try and pull pull them back a little bit to the actual objective? Yeah, I think it can get lost in some of the rhetoric of the industry, um, and, and I try and avoid that because we've got to get back to the real reason that all mm-hmm. of this is going on, which is not because it's fun, even though it is, and it's not because um, you know there's money to be spent, which there is. It's actually protecting people. The type mm-hmm. of work that we do 
or, or sites. I mean, certainly at the moment where there are, you know, credible threats, threats to life, there's already been intruders. I mean, we did a, a place where they had um, not six months before, so within the, the six months prior to us going in, mm-hmm. three different um, unknown uh, persons in the site and and in all sorts of places. And I mean, I can't even, I can't obviously say too much about what type of site it yeah. was, but really a very, a very bad place to have been breached for the country, you know, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and to, to, you know, to be able to kind of protect that and say, you know, this is really, really important. This isn't about awareness even or anything else. This is about you are, that they were all reconnaissance missions mm-hmm. and you guys have been compromised big time. We've got so much to do. Yeah. They've got to learn that it's not just a compliance exercise and it's not just because it's, it's very trendy at the moment to have this done. It actually could save lives and, and, and save businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's that important sometimes. Um, and that, that's what kind of I kind of keeps me going sometimes, I think. Yeah. It's it's interesting to hear you um, talk about customers with specific requests as well. One of the things that I, I sometimes struggle with with customers is where they they can't or they they don't necessarily want to set like a main objective. You know, there's seven or eight different things that they they want you to do, and and sometimes that can compromise the assessment just in terms of like, well, if I do one of these, that's bad for the business. Should I do that stop and leave, or should I keep going? And it's funny mm. funny to hear other people having the same kind of problems. Yeah, and and I mean as well. I mean the other thing is, I mean the client can get in the way, and mm-hmm. and you know they, they're not going to do that deliberately, but they can get in the way of, of realism. Yeah. Um. And for example, we had a job, uh, very 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 high level. So like I mean I get that there are a lot of parameters here, and, mm-hmm. and you know, but but we had eleven minutes to get into the secure yeah. area. Uh, so it was just an 11-minute window. The reason is that they had to stand security down and stand down in um, police-armed yeah. response. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, <laughs> that 11 minutes. But they did say, you know, there was a secondary alert. So if mm-hmm. during that 11 minutes, the alarms were raised or whatever, they knew there was a test going on. If they continued to be raised, in other words, if I didn't declare quickly enough, mm-hmm. they would send it in as if it was a, a real threat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, of course, an attack is going to absolutely break in between you know, 1 o'clock and one eleven. Yeah. On a Thursday morning, I mean that's realistic, but I have to say, you know, it makes it harder for us. But at the same time, you've got to work with the clients and within the parameters and the barriers that they've got yeah. to try and run this properly because it's not necessarily their business. So they don't really, you know, they've got to work within what they can get away with in terms of the the actual company. I think a lot of the time, yeah. but God, it makes it eleven minutes. Actually, <laughs> yeah, and do you know what you find yourself doing at that point? You're just constantly, constantly checking the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like every few seconds, which is running a, a stopwatch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, I think it is a funny thing that you raise there that, that a lot of people might not realise is that in physical access testing, the actual on-site access can be really quick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, very often. I mean, it's not that it's gotten out harder. I've always said getting in is, is tends not to be. I mean. I feel like straight away I've got like six examples that it was difficult, but that tends not to be the issue. Yeah. It's staying in, it's staying in, it's not being made and it's getting out. Yeah. You have to get out credibly and that can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, people say you can interrogate into a reception quite easily, but leaving mm-hmm. can be quite difficult. Um, 
because it, because people sign out and because oh hang on who's that I didn't let them in all of that if you go through the front and if you're trying to get out on the site um, at the rear or at some other uh, entry point fire doors or whatever you know they're alarmed they mm-hmm. watch there's cameras on them I mean those, to me I always say getting in is not too much of a, of a problem remaining undetected and we try and do it in 90 minutes yeah so remaining undetected for 90 minutes constantly mobile is difficult. Um, it's always either 90 minutes or like 12 hours, by the way. It's never, <laughs> it's never something in the thing. And um, that's difficult. But then actually your actual exit, is, is, that is the time when you're most likely to show physically and on your face. Um, you like yeah. need to give yourself away non-verbally. And I think that's, that's a very dangerous time, actually. Yeah, I, I always... You, you, you rush... You know, yeah. you rush because you're nearly there. That, that's, that's what I was about to say. I, I, I always feel when I'm doing physical access testing an, an emotional difference between when I am breaking in and when I am breaking out. And and you saying there, like, you know, you you rush. Yeah, you feel excited and you feel like, oh, you know, it's nearly done and, and, and I want to get it over with sometimes. You just, well, because, you know, like especially like, you just think, right, okay, that's it. I've got like three more minutes and I'm out of here. Job's accomplished, you know, quick cup of coffee, quick drink or whatever and then I can write the report and that's another one done, mm-hmm. right? And that's how you feel. But it's at that point and, it, and, it, and you see, this is, a, this is true in so many things. We are vulnerable in victory, right? And so yeah. it's one of the ways that the psychology works is if people think they've won, if people think something's gone their way, if people think they've dodged a bullet, that's the point where you're very vulnerable and it's true of a pen test as well. You're vulnerable when you think you've completed. You're vulnerable when you think it's gone well. Yeah. Um, as I said before, the minute that you think it's gone well, that's usually when everything goes wrong. I give an example. I was in a, I was in a skyscraper in London, mm-hmm. and God, and again, like fairly straightforward. I mean, it wasn't without incident, but it was fairly straightforward. All done, mission accomplished. Now all I have to do is get out. Literally, no one has raised an eyebrow. Yeah. Um, I was just like, oh, I need to finish this off now. Perfect. And at that point, and then you suddenly, and you develop like a sixth sense for. There's an energy that goes through, I think, uh, a building. Yeah. When people have a, have a purpose, like have a single focus, and, and, and imagine if it's just an intrusion on site, a single focus. Suddenly the energy changes. And I don't know whether it's my imagination, it probably is, but I saw over the years I've developed this spidey sense. And you know, suddenly, like, you know, I glanced out the office. I was, I was in a, an office, and all I do is leave the office, get, go downstairs and leave, and I'll be fine. And I'm in the office, and there'll be nothing, no indicators. And suddenly it got quite a bit quieter, mm-hmm. um, and people's backs were it were turned, and it sort of emptied out a little bit. And I thought, you know what, you're blown. Yeah. And I could and I could feel it in my bones. <laughs> um, and at that point, and you see, that's the thing because now to walk how quietly to change. What do you do at that yeah. point? And you know that they know that there's someone on site and they come looking for you. And I kind of knew, and I thought, right, so change clothes, dipped everything, change things around. Mm-hmm sent out a signal and I had to slowly walk out mm-hmm. when I knew people were looking for me um, you know and you just think you see that was because you let your guard down I was just a bit comfortable in that office that's yeah. done everything you get cheeky and one of the <laughs> things that I say to people not to do yeah. is don't don't show both don't show off oh, don't yeah. linger right and I, and I wasn't I wasn't showing off but I've been in the guy's office I placed business cards everywhere I'd sent mm-hmm. a few emails yeah, picked up a few bits and pieces. It was done, and rather than 
you know, efficiently, quietly get out straight away, I'd hesitate a little bit. Like, is there yeah. anything else I can do? What else can I see? You know, go through a few files. Is there anything here that, like, I could say, well, this was on the desk? Mm-hmm. Nothing showboaty, but still, like, it wasn't necessary. Trying to get uh, bonus points almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Bonus points. Just, it's just something that no one's thought of. <laughs> <clears throat> and and um, what I'd say is I probably took two minutes doing that. Yeah. That was two min- and it's two minutes too long. And in that two minutes, the, the alias had gone out. And I was just lucky because it was such a big building that I don't think they were 100% sure which floor I was yeah. on. And you mentioned you mentioned um, techniques that you can use there as well. So as you mentioned changing clothes, for example, um, mm. are, are there other things that you can do uh, to to kind of buy yourself some more time or buy yourself a second chance? I, th- I think you, you can leave a crumb trail. Mm-hmm. So one of the things to, to, for the second chance, more than more time. But one of the things that so when I say change clothes, obviously I think in that particular one I had high vis um, and a. Uh, not a helmet. I didn't have a builder's helmet. I think I had it with me. I think I was mm-hmm. carrying it, but not wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to be prepared to jump that. So what I always say is have layers on. And I've, I, I, what I wear, and I've still got it, and I use it for layers, is a, is a, a reversible jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the colour, but, but, but the, ins, the lining's bright orange, and then <laughs> the jacket itself is grey. Which is, you know, people are looking for that, and I can put my hair. I mean, you just look here. You can put your hair up. Yeah. So you know, put my hair back in the ponytail, put the glasses on, um, change change the jacket, gum mm-hmm. the bag, or change the bag. So you should have a bag inside the bag, so you can put the bag. So we have a bigger, softer bag inside mm-hmm. whatever smaller yeah. bags. You can change the size of bag, change it from a rucksack to to a um, a tote. Mm-hmm. If you know your handbag, but the reason for that <laughs> is then it that's just my physicality. Yeah. So I'm going from looking like someone who's there to do I don't know a survey, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a physical survey, like a maintenance survey or something. I'm changing from that to more like a regular worker, more like an office worker. Yeah. And I can do that quite quickly, almost as you're walking along. Mm-hmm. But the other thing you can do is leave a trail. So one of the things that we do quite a lot is leave um, notebooks and. Yeah. Um, jumpers and things, right? So it's like, oh, sorry, I'm just looking for my sweater. I think I've left a notebook here. And the notebook yeah. will have in it um, your business cards that support the pretext and some mm-hmm. notes that support the pretext as well. And so you kind of leave things as you go so that you can always be coming back to look for them. It's just yeah, like that's really good. a little bit of time. Yeah, and, and, so, and like we always leave, oh, not always, but a lot of the time, we'll, we'll get like a, just a really cheap sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. You know, just something like that, like that you, yeah. because you're going to leave it behind. But just I was just looking, you know, oh, it's it's cold outside. I've left my, my jacket, you know, but you can leave it there. And what happens with that as well is if you leave that in reception, you say, I'm just nipping the loo. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, can I can I just go in just for a second and leave the loo? And you say, I'm just going to leave my stuff here. Mm-hmm. And what you leave there is, you know, the pad, the pen and, and yeah. the jacket or the sweater. That's really plausible that that person's about to come back, mm-hmm. and that'll get that'll get you ten to fifteen minutes uh, in a busy reception because they'll just wonder she's coming back. Because <laughs> I pattern. think that's that's really funny as well to mention, like buying yourself time in that kind of way, like buying yourself a few minutes. Um, I just I'm thinking of like all of the different um, tests that I've done myself that are that are similar to to what you're describing, and um, you mentioned the the swapping bags thing. One, one thing that I've done before is. Um, getting to a door that requires access control that you weren't expecting it to. 
And of mm-hmm. course, if you're carrying a handbag with you, I, I can endlessly search through a handbag for, for minutes and minutes and buy myself some time. Um, but I, I'd never thought of um, of leaving things behind to come back to. That's a that's a really cool idea. Yeah, the things because they say, but you see, it won't get you. It sometimes gets you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Most often, it yeah. wouldn't get you too long. But like, they definitely think you're coming back, so you've not wandered <laughs> off. Because who leaves the bag? Yeah. Um, and then if they look through the bag, it's got support and evidence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, that's that's one thing that um, we would always do, and also keys. So have some keys, yeah. and you can leave keys around. And then if you leave keys, even if it's been handed in at reception, mm-hmm. you can buy cheap sets of you know, nothing keys online. <laughs> and then what you do is you just, you know you leave them somewhere, and then when you walk around, you say, "Jim, sorry, I was looking for my keys. I thought I came past the shoe. God, this place is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I think it was here. Actually, if keys been handed in, maybe reception now, and then they ring reception. Yeah. Now the thing is, and then reception probably have them. You say, so yeah. I can wander around and get them. The thing is, is you don't really want that amount of touch time with mm-hmm. anyone in the clients because again, it's not realistic. As clearly, yeah. you don't want to do it. But if you, it gets you out of a, um, it gets you out of a hole now and again, for sure. So and you also mentioned... the signal. You can use the yeah. signal for the rest of the team. So um, you know, if you if you have, uh, have has any keys been handed in at reception. Mm-hmm. And then if the reception can confirm or deny that, then, you know, that might be a signal as well. So, you know, oh, yeah, someone's collected them. Mm-hmm. So you'd say, well, my colleagues lost the keys. Uh, did they get handed in? Yeah, yeah, they've collected them. Then that's your exit. That's your exit yeah. signal. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so you talk about um, working with a team there and, and, and using signals. Um, how, how does that mm-hmm. dynamic work? Well, now, let me see. So does, uh, without sort of giving away too much, um, <laughs> we... Like I say, it was an, it, not a technical, necessarily technical hack. So mm-hmm. what we need is, as I say, we need the signs, we need the, the kind of, it's just a bad bag of bond stuff. It's like yeah. a box on the gate. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff that we can do in terms of, of that. Just, I can't say so much because it'll give it away, but there's things <laughs> that we can do that show that we've been somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then things that you can do that show that, um, you know, that, that an area is clear or that it's been done and that you've, you know, mission accomplished in that area. Um, and that depends on the teams, but we always did it because we needed, a, like, if you like, a, um, I don't know really how you put it, we needed a non-technical backup because a lot of the time the phones were either mm-hmm. um, no use to us. So, like, we could yeah, be on yeah. the phone, but we couldn't, like, there was either no signal, we didn't want to talk over the phones or whatever. You can't get a radio out without having um, an explanation. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, this is one of the things I hear an awful lot. Again, like I said about lo- um, picking locks, mm-hmm. like you said at the start, you know, there are things that if you have got those things with you on a physical pen test, mm-hmm. there is no explanation. You know, and like yeah. I have smoke bombs and stuff in the bag. And like what I do now is they're in my makeup bag mm-hmm. and they're in tampons. <laughs> <laughs> but they're in tampon wrappers. Yeah. Because, because they're the same size roughly. And the, and the problem is no one's going to you know, no yeah. question that. Yeah. Um, but if I just have smoke bombs in my bag mm-hmm. and someone gets them, it's like, oh, what's that then? Now, how would you explain smoke bombs? So, you know, you've got to think a little bit like if I'm caught in search or if I've got to go through like an airport style search mm-hmm. and they go through my bag, mm-hmm. how do I get things in that doesn't give away the fact that I'm about to do something dodgy? You know, if I've got 12 different IDs yeah. in the bag, <laughs> yeah. then they kind of like, even you dopiest security guard is going to say what's this yeah yeah. Um, 
you know, so we did that. We did have to do that one time. So we did um, uh, talk to IDs, but we had them in a really nice kind of canvas display pouch. Right. Do you know, like um, like in the old days, you used to get the business cards and you yeah, used yeah. to, there was a roller desk, but there was also, it was almost like a photo album. Yeah. So basically, we needed a lot of different ideas. So we had to, we had a photo album, and I said, "Oh yeah, you know, because we also we do the printing side of things." So this is just showing all the different types of ID yeah. and types of ID card that we can do. And so, of course, that goes through the airport scanner. <laughs> yeah. How come you've got like twenty different types of um, ID cards? Well, it's just we produce them. Yeah, yeah. So it's just showing all the different types. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely fine then. <laughs> but, you know, otherwise you need a really good explanation to have, like, all the different lanyards and everything. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean by kind of thinking a bit differently um, and trying not to think too much about how... And, and being it, prepared as well, right? It's like having yeah. those those excuses, those stories. Yeah. Although, like you said, Hal, I mean, often you don't even need them. Yeah. The there is a secondary tale as a backup plan B. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't need them, you don't need them fine. But I like, I don't have a lot of respect for doing it by the CC pants unless that's part of the strategy, unless part of the strategy is yeah. going to try an untrained in, in infiltration mm-hmm. um, all the way up to a professional. You've I got think, to do it properly. I mean, they cost a lot of money for the client yeah. and they need the money's worth, you know? I think the, the thing that, that really frustrates me, I can I can understand the, the justification behind the simulating the opportunist attack or simulating the, the naive attack or that like, can you just get in kind of thing. The, the, the reason I, I dislike those kinds of tests is if I don't, if I try and gain access and then I'm, I'm challenged or it's game over for some other reason, it's like, well, I could have done better, right? Well, if I'd prepared, yeah. I could have done a better delivery. So that's the thing that frustrates me. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought I'm never going to fail it for lack of threat. You're never going to mm-hmm. outweigh mm-hmm. me, right? Yeah. Now, if I wasn't bright enough, or if there was another team that was better and thought of something else, mm-hmm. at least I can go home and look myself in the mirror and say, you know, you did everything that you could do. Yeah. Yeah, like that kind you of professional pride as well. Yeah. But we tend to go back over and over because <laughs> I just couldn't bear it. I mean, that, that's you know? good, though, from from a, your own team's training point of view, right? To, like, review what worked, what didn't work, alternative options. Well, yeah, also sometimes, you know, it it, 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 turn, it, it is reconnaissance. You don't mm-hmm. think it is, but it turns out to be reconnaissance. You can do, um, you can do, just one sec. <coughs> you can do the initial, mm-hmm. the initial contact at the initial date of the test. Sometimes it turns out to be, like, a, a, a light version of it right yeah. so I remember we did one and I had um, a nice little team um, in place as a distraction mm-hmm. um, and they were oh my god but they aren't really like so they went with me before a little bit but they're not really someone who does it very often and they went in yeah. and they were meant to go in create a force as the force has been created mm-hmm. we kind of got the B team in and then they were supposed to leave didn't leave right came down and, and they were having coffees and stuff in like the shared area like and, 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 you know, I can't go up and go, what the f*** are you doing? <laughs> but I was kind of like, something Challenging your own happened. team. Yeah, like, you're supposed to walk, you're supposed to create a fuss and then walk away, but they were yeah. just successful as far as it. And I think, you know, when we kind of did the super fast, it was like, well, it was just less suspicious for us to sit down and, and wait. Yeah. Um, so, we, so we all, but, you know, that's a fail because now I have to get them out, I have to exfiltrate because otherwise um, it, mm-hmm. it's too risky for what we want to yeah. do. So, like, they've got to get out. So, like, that's a fail. 
Yeah. You come on, as we're coming out, the fire alarms will go off. There was, and, and I don't think it was a fire alarm test. I think it was a, an alert. Yeah. Um, we all come out. It starts to book it down. <sighs> they have to leave and they're gorgeous. Like, because they part their pre testers there. Mm-hmm. And guy was a director. And they have to leave in a nice home car. I don't have a nice home car at this point because I'm supposed to meet them uh, a couple of blocks away and get yeah. in. I can't get in because everything's gone to you know, pot. So I was hung about um, and kind of just hung out and mingled with the fight with the uh, assembly five and off people. They've gone. So now plan A is gone, right? Yeah. The team has gone. But from what they said and from me knowing where they had sat, now it's like it was almost like actually you can, you can take another crack at this now because now I can see a little bit about the psychology of the building. Yeah. Psychology, group psychology changes just after an event. Yeah. And of course that alarm, I, I, I didn't think it was a fire alarm at all. I think there was a um, I think would be made and I think that was why the alarm went off mm-hmm. but now everything's different right so we know yeah. that the security's on a different focus like the te- you know the teams are on a different focus people are agitated they want to get back to work people are annoyed people are working quickly mm-hmm. so it was really easy to get back in really easy to finish the test but you know that was not the plan yeah. and one of the things that, that, that you need to I, I think that I say to people all the time is it's You've got to have the strategic piece, Holly. You've got to do the work strategically. Um, You know, you have all the intelligence that you can possibly gather. So you know that place really, really well. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's really the difficult part of that is the plans. So, you know, building plans, because my brain just does not work that way. And I can look at it, we were in one place, and honestly, I knew that layout inside out. Mm -hmm. But once I got in there, I just couldn't compute it with what I'd seen. Yeah. And it hadn't changed or anything. It's just in my mind. It's like, so I have to really, really focus on that and make sure that I know where, specifically where exits are yeah. and where the things are. Um, so you need all that strategic stuff. You've got to do your homework. You've got to do it really mm-hmm. well. But but equally is the adaptation piece, the, the, the tactical piece on your feet. Thinking on your what feet, What do I yeah. do with the situation that's being thrown at me? You know, you were going to get variables on tests that you just, some of them will be in your favour. Yeah. Some of them will be absolutely not in your favour. But you you can't. You've got to plan for victory. You've got to say like this is the. I've got to be able to change mm-hmm. on my feet, but not change the overall goals. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the showboat and everything else will come. If you don't <laughs> want to introduce a variable mm-hmm. yourself, right? Because enough variables to be thrown at you. So you stick to what you've done, and then what if you have to change? Um, yeah. Because something happens on the ground and change. Yeah, a lot of uh, situational awareness there, a lot of just being aware what you're up to and, and what everyone else is up to, I guess. And just being able to to know to pick something up or put something down in the right mm-hmm. place or to see, to read that room. Mm-hmm. And, to read, and this is really all the kind of like the non-verbal and the proxemics and things coming. Read that room, read the way people are standing, try and anticipate events because with, with a group of people in any situation, you know, energy will change for different reasons. You know, whether they you know, want to get out of a meeting, whether they're hungry, whether they're working late, whether there's a visitor to the site. And when you've got to read that energy. And there are ways to do that. We have models we can teach to do it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's down to just really, I think back to what you asked me initially about what really social engineering is sort of thing or how yeah. we define it. It's that's the social side. That's the side that's going to get you caught or not caught depending on how you read it yeah so for me it, it's really seeing the energy of a site the way people relate to each other and knowing what to do in that situation or, or not even knowing what to do making a decision and running with the decision yeah 
um, that, that really has been missing gap in a lot of physical pen tests. You know, that's the thing that people miss. It's the people that are the most important mm-hmm. thing. They'll get you to the tech. They'll get you to your infiltration. But you've got to be able to read them. That's what I'd say. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so for people who, who have listened this far and are thinking, you know, that that, that sounds awesome, they understand the, the access side of things, we've talked about getting back out again, what what happens after an engagement? So once you've left the site, what what's the next thing? So we always have um, a 24-hour cooling off. Um, so we, we do 24 hours, then we meet, uh, we'll pull the crew together and what we'll mm-hmm. do then is we'll debrief and dismiss. Yeah. So we go over everything else, go over all the bits that they've done, any footage, any photographs. Each person talks us through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We'll get that and then I'll dismiss the crew and then we'll write the report. Yeah. But I'll dismiss and delete, yeah, and we'll bleach everything. And mm-hmm. it's so funny because I got asked, um, actually this week, I got asked to do a job. Yeah. And the client's like, you know, we've had references and stuff, but can we see a sample of a report? And you're like, no. <laughs> no, 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 not even the template. Yeah, it's, you know it's not only deleted; it's bleached, and that's the end of it. Yeah, and you know, and everybody has to do the same thing because it's too. You know, it's like yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't want me banding your details after we come into your site, but however you do, yeah, and I'm never going to do it again. And and so there's a certain element of um, trust to that. Yeah. Um. But you know, we we. Uh, that, that's how we do it. And we, we bleach, everything's bleached, everyone's dismissed. Mm-hmm. About two weeks after that, um, usually within that time, we'll, have, we'll have certainly put the report and probably met the clients on the DB. Yeah. Uh, just two weeks after that, we go back and just check if anyone's got anything they wanted to add that they've remembered in quotation yeah. marks. And that's particularly if we've had any feedback from the client and what's gone on on the site. Anyone remembered anything? It's almost <laughs> like <coughs> in school, you know, uh, has anyone got anything they want to tell me? <laughs> and, yeah. and certainly with some of the, you know, if it's a biggest team, sometimes mm-hmm. people say, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention, you know, X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and it's just because people sometimes forget that they've bumped into someone. There's a lot um, of pressure on as well, isn't there? There's a lot a lot happening that, that you're essentially having to just commit to memory as you go. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, there's ways that we can... See, this is so evil, Holly, and this is so, so kind of, you're so funny because you let me just talk and fix it. There's ways that we can uncover things that people have forgotten, yeah. even with our own team. So we can focus memory, if you like. Yeah, but yeah. we usually don't have to. But I'm also after if anyone did anything that they perhaps want to confess to. Now, I don't mean taking anything necessarily, because yeah. it shouldn't be that. But anybody, you know, anyone have a joke at someone's expense, perhaps? Anyone leave anything behind that we've not accounted for? <laughs> Because you know when I talk about the jumpers and the yeah. pads, yeah. They, they will all be numbered. Mm-hmm. So we'll know exactly what was left and yeah. what was in it. Um, so we go through the numbers and yeah, we go through the cards. You know, anyone found the cards? Has that been imported back in from the client? Those mm-hmm. types of things. And, you know, and, and, and it's usually after two weeks we can say, so we had one, two, three, four, five back. Yeah. Six, seven, eight, not come back. <laughs> Who was on six, seven and eight? Oh, it's you. Right, so yeah. what happened there? Do you have them? No. Well, where are they? <laughs> yeah. It, and I think it's just because I just was a bit of a control freak about it in the beginning because so everything else is so loose and fluid. Once yeah. you're there, you know, anything can happen. I was, I was always such a control freak about the way that we ran an operation 
and the way it was reported back to me, not necessarily to the client, the client got yeah. what they needed, but to me, I wanted to know, where, you know, if, if Notepad 26 is not in your bag, where is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds, so that's kind of, uh, sounds like a complete control freeze, but that's just the way we did it. It, it does a little bit, but it, it's also, it's just uh, characteristic of a tight operation, right? It's just characteristic of, you know, you know you know what you're doing. And and also that I want to know that my people mm-hmm. knew what they were doing on the site, that the people that we were working with and we were trusting with client security mm-hmm. knew what they were doing with professional. Yeah. I can't have someone that's up, because in the end, I'm not going to say about this, I'm not in great detail, but in the early days, we did have stuff go really badly wrong. Um, and and I can't ever let that happen again. So, you know, people went rogue a little bit or or whatever, or showed off, or or, spoke, or just you know, we have a no touch, no contact as best you can. Yeah. Um, unnecessary contact, unnecessary touch. I can't, I can't, I won't have it. You see. So, uh, yeah. You mean with uh, with with people on site? It's like unnecessarily people. talking to staff. You, get, you wouldn't, because that's not proper reputation to You only do it if you have to. Mm-hmm. And once you, because they'll remember you. What people forget is, you, you, you know, that you are simulating an attack. Mm-hmm. And I think in an, what, you've got to understand that a criminal will not want contact. A criminal won't want to be remembered. So the more that you talk to someone on yeah. that site, the more that they can recall under a proper interview with mm-hmm. law enforcement. So if you actually were a criminal, you'd, you'd you know, that's a lot of evidence. You try not to do it. I think that's you the key word, to... isn't it? It's ev- evidence. You're trying to minimise minimize your footprint, yeah. minimise your evidence. Yeah, you're not, you shouldn't have a big footprint. You know, there should be... Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that's kind of almost negated that is CCTV and just the amount of cameras now that are on site. That we never used to have to contend with that. Yeah. But the amount of cameras now on those sites means that the evidence... If we'd been real criminals, would have been significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen, oh my god, we've had to sweep up after pen testers who, you know, just like stupid disguises or <laughs> outrageous clothes. And I've said, you know, the client said you try and get caught. Yeah. And you know, and you think, but it's just but at this point, it's Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And we 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 just wouldn't suffer it. But like, I can see why. Someone might think, oh yeah, this is funny, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it in a bikini or whatever. But um, we just go, no, 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 no. But like, yeah, we try and minimise mm-hmm. evidence as well. And talking to someone's evidence. Yeah, yeah. I actually had that with a lady in the kitchen. Right. One of the other things I had to do was make coffee. Make myself a hot beverage, you thought. That's what they always say on the... Um, they never say tea or coffee. Or, or the client will always say... Uh, Make make and drink a hot beverage. Right? Yeah. So, oh, God's sake, like, so I, like I say, I don't really like doing those types of things. I like to do it like a proper criminal. Like a proper criminal is not yeah. going to make themselves a cover. But okay, <laughs> we've done everything else. I'll go make a hot beverage. So I'm making a hot beverage. Yeah. So I was just sitting in the kitchen, and this adorable lady came up. She was so nice, and she mm-hmm. was just helping. Are you all right there? Oh, the tap like, It was one of those. <laughs> it wasn't a kettle. It was one of those. So, and what do you, it's like a tap of instantly boiling water, the lethal. You've got instantly boiling water, yeah. instantly cold water. So, oh, you know, it's a bit hot, isn't it? Oh, let me get a different cup. Those cups are horrible. So why are you here? You know, oh, told them whatever. Believed. Oh, that's really interesting, isn't it? Is that with... And I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, she, there's no way she won't remember me. Social engineering you now, right? Really? Yeah. 
Well, not even socially engineered. Just, just being really friendly. And if she's even remotely observant, she's going to yeah. remember. My biggest giveaway would be my accent. And you shouldn't try and do a false accent. So I always say, I've got people who work with me with, with very strong accents. You mm-hmm. try and squash it a little bit, but you don't put a false one on. Yeah. Imagine. It's so, so easy you know, to, to mess up as well, isn't it? In, in, a, in a longer conversation, the, 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 the more contact you have, the more likely it is that you'll, you'll screw it up. So what you've got to do, so what the, the prep that we give for that in as much as you can give any, is whatever your pretext is, mm-hmm. pick someone that you know. And it could be a character off a, like a, a TV series or it mm-hmm. could be someone that you know or someone you've met. So say you're, you're being, I don't know, let's say you're being um, Janice who's there to measure the conference rooms yeah. for new carpets. Then you make sure that, that, that you know that character. And so what you've got to do is you've got to think of whoever you're basing Janet on. So a friend who does a similar job or a friend, or, or you know, someone off, Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. a TV show. And then when you're doing those talk, when that happens, you start talking to someone, you're answering for them. Do you see yeah. what I mean? So you're not saying, so if they see you doing something this weekend, you don't say, um, well, yes, I, th- I thought I'd spend eight hours watching B-sides videos and, you know, trying yeah, to, yeah. like, fiddle around with a, with a course. You, you you think about what Janet would actually be doing. And you say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to the Christmas markets with the family. Uh, I've got to take the cat to the vet. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? That you really need to be that prepared. Otherwise, especially in the higher level, the higher security um, mm-hmm. places, you should be busted quite quickly because you'll go, blah, blah, blah. And nobody doesn't know what they've got planned for the weekend, even if you just go, yeah, not much. Yeah, yeah, it is. You, you instantly no. sound like you're lying, don't you? <laughs> if you're like, yeah, it sounds like you're having an affair or something. <laughs> And yeah. they and people are people are always looking for that. They're always looking for a bit of juicy gossip. So they always want to clear about it. So they might not get the right reason why it doesn't sound credible, but they're intrigued. Yeah. So what you want is you want you don't want intrigue. You don't mm-hmm. want anyone intrigued yeah. about who you are ever. You need to be virgin on the side of boring. But when I, I say just, boring, I was just thinking boring. Yeah, it's just like verging on boring. Gosh, just normal, just just very normal. Nothing really remarkable. Nice person. Forget about me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you very much for that uh, that run through of essentially the entirety of social engineering, right? In an hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, easy to talk to, Holly. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jenny, thank you very much for coming on our podcast. And um, was there anything, any last minute things you wanted to throw out? Or? No, wait, I, I'm glad, I mean, I, I appreciate you asking me on, you know, and big and what you do and, and, and your skills as well as you know. And then. Um, yeah, so I was happy to come on it. And I, the only thing I'd say, I suppose, if I had to leave everyone with one thought, mm-hmm. is, you know, this thing, this physical infiltration, the social part of it, isn't getting smaller. It's getting bigger. Yeah. So we need to skill up as an industry. And when I talk about the control freakery that I have on jobs and the level of detail that we go into, you know, I, I want people to skill up and learn those types of things because it's more professionally satisfying than being able to say that you just tailgated somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think and I think you know, people often ask me how to get into the industry and stuff. And my question back is always, what do you think the industry is? Oh, and that's yeah. where I'd leave it. Awesome. Well, well, Jenny, thank you. And um, thank you. I'll catch up with you again soon. Catch up soon, Holly. Thank you, mate. Take care. Bye bye. 